Precious Father, we pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, give us new feeling, new response. Help us to ache for those you ache for. Help us to surrender to the work of your Spirit in us that we might become vessels of mercy and grace and healing. Help us, Lord, to see the ministry of your church in all of its different aspects, going out in so many different directions as you stir the heart of groups and people around the world. Have mercy on us today, Lord. We pray that your will would be done here in this time. In your name, amen. Please be seated. Well, Elise is going to be our first speaker, so don't go too far away, Elise. There's something wrong with our sound, Aaron. Can you horse with it? It's too tenery or something. I don't know what it is. Turn the bass off. I don't know. Bob Pett, I uh, think some of you know, is our in-resident writer and uh, outstanding. He's read, uh, written, read many books, but written uh, several books. And he walked into church this morning and he handed me this little thing and he said, look at the last song that we're singing today. And so... I thought I wanted to read you just a little something. Bob uh, comes from the days when they used to harvest by hand and cut the grain down with a scythe, a sickle, and then have to beat it in order to separate the seed. And he put this down at the, the beginning of his little tract. He said, prepare to take in God's harvest. And he quoted this. A time after Jesus had healed and ministered to many who followed him, he urgently called for help. Scripture tells us they are harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. So many times we look at those around us as the enemy, rather than people harassed by the enemy. We make the people who may speak a harsh word to us or be insensitive to us, or be even cruel to us, and we see them as the enemy, rather than the enemy grabbing, pulling, ripping, and tearing at the essence of who they are. We need to pray for new eyes. We need to lay the old ones down and ask God to give us a different view of every man, woman, and child around us. Our battle is not against the flesh and blood people, but against the principalities and the powers that harass them and destroy them. So as we listen today, I hope you get excited. Uh, It's exciting to hear about the ministries that are going in all kinds of directions, of understanding ministries that are part of Lamb of God, understanding that, thank God, that ministries are way beyond Lamb of God, and we pray that we would just uh, maybe hear a calling. Uh, Every one of us can either support directly, indirectly, The minimum is to be in constant and continuous prayer for each of these groups and ministries. But in some cases, they will will pluck at your heart. They will stir you. You will catch the vision that they're trying to share with you. And there's this greater calling I want you to see and hear and feel. And uh, we can't do it all ourselves. But we all can do it all. And we need to keep that in mind. Come on down. Okay, um, this sign. Oh, hi. It's really loud. You're fine. You'll adjust okay. it. 
Well, my name's Elise. I go to UW-Waukesha, and I guess they just asked me to talk a little bit about Campus Crusade and what I'm involved with on campus as far as reaching college students. So um, when I started there like a year ago, I was really shocked at the really big need to reach students there because there's a lot of people. You just see darkness like around them and like when you look in their eyes and you talk to them. So um, I went to Campus Crusade for just all of last year, kind of got involved a little bit, but this year I'm a lot more involved. I'm on their leadership team, um, trying to just reach students. And um, we do meetings on Tuesdays and Fridays. And it's been really cool this semester to just see how God's been growing our group and using um, my friends in that group just to reach other people that we know who aren't saved. Um, this semester, we've seen some people come who are atheists or um, people just have really weird beliefs about what Christianity is. And so it's been really cool to see some of like the debates that have come up and like how we've been able to um, just be a light on campus and share God with those people. Um, one thing that I think has been really cool to see is that last year we had maybe 15 people on a good day. Um, come to crew meetings, but this year a good day is 30 people. So it's been just really neat to see how God's been using us um, to reach other students and um, yeah, I don't know what else to say really. We have Friday night Bible studies and that's been really cool too. Just on campus I guess it's more trying to reach other people who might not know God, but um, Friday nights is more um, Christians building each other up, too. So that's been really neat to see um, just how people have been growing in their faith, too, through that. So I don't know. Praise that's it. Thanks. We all appreciate your prayers, too. So thanks. I'll pray for 45. By the way, uh, see that as your calling. I always uh, tell my kids in class, you haven't been a part of Lamb of God or a part of this school or a part of this ministry to sit. Uh, you're not being taught so that you can say, now I learned something. You're being taught to teach somebody else. I don't care if it's your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. You're being equipped, and you don't just sit there and carry bigger and bigger packs of all the stuff. You pack it on so you can give it away. And uh, Elise is that nice testimony of, of not only seeing the need but responding to it. So praise the Lord for that. Tom, Pat, come on down. I'm going to ask him to share on the uh, men's prison ministry. And Rosie and uh, Jan, you're in the wings because we've got uh, both men and women's prison ministry. So we wanted you to be able to hear about them. We've been asking people to share not only the ministry it's themselves, but also how it somehow has affected them and ministered to their lives. Good morning. The, uh, <clears throat> the men's jail ministry meets uh, twice a month on Sunday evenings at the county jail here in Waukesha. We sometimes want to look at those inside that place as being so much different than us when, in fact, they are just dealing with the, some of the same issues we do, maybe just magnified a little bit. The difference is, as you may have heard me said before, is that their sin is public and ours is private. It brings people to a new reality and a need to hear the gospel. They know they need something. In some cases, they don't know what they need, but they're there. And the fact that they're incarcerated, has humbled them to a point of coming. 
Their ages, their ages may range from 18 up to 80, from all different kinds of walks of life. We see guys who have absolutely no knowledge of Jesus or who he is, and we have some that have accepted him as Savior and that know the Bible inside and out, maybe even better than we do at times. Being that this is a jail and not a prison, we may see some men for a long time and some maybe only once. The goal, of, of course, is to present the gospel and, and how having a relationship with Jesus Christ is the answer. By trying to establish what kind of group we have on a given night, I've developed some opening questions to try to, to get their background. And I've discovered a real common thread kind of going through for all the years that I've done that. Very few of them had, have had a dad and mom at home growing up. Um, and the few that did, dad usually did not attend church. And as soon as mom was not able to drag them out of bed, the son stopped attending as well. And as you may guess, uh, there was no personal devotion or Bible study reading either. Oh, there are nights on Sunday nights and Sunday evenings, sometimes when I really don't want to go. But there are very few that I did not come blessed that I went We don't always get to see the harvest, but nothing can match times when you see the tears of repentance and acceptance of the gospel. The mission field is all around us. What's yours? Is it the jail with me? Come along, I could use the help. Is it sitting next to you? Or is it at work? Our witness needs to be active and ready to give an answer for that hope that is within us. We are all called to be ambassadors for Christ so that lives will be changed. And I, too, when preparing this, didn't know the closing song either, but I wanted to close with Let none hear you idly saying there's nothing I can do. While the multitudes are dying and the Master calls for you, take the task he gives you gladly. Let his work your pleasure be. Answer quickly when he calls you. Here am I, send me, send me. Sometimes you uh, might be intimidated. These people will let you come along and say nothing. Just go with them as a prayer warrior. Stand with them. I think uh, that's what Tom's invitation was to you. And uh, as you heard even from Louis, uh, Elise, the, uh, the first time, first year, but the second year makes all the difference in the world. And that's sometimes how God finally gets us to that point. Rosie. <clears throat> that was excellent. Now it's our turn. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Can, can you bring me some wa- my water? Uh, Jen and I uh, do the ladies' uh, jail <clears throat> ministry. And unlike the men's, it's every week. And some of you may not know, but there are two women out, thank you so much, outside of the church that also share the ministry with us. So we provide them Bibles. And I was thinking the other day um, about how many Bibles Lamb of God provides for the ladies. And I was astounded when I started tallying it up that since I've been doing this, and when I, when I inherited this, this ministry, I inherited maybe 50 Bibles that were donated or so. And I pass them all out. So not even including those. We have, we have purchased and handed out over 200 Bibles. 
And you know, when, when we're at the jail, we've now arranged our time so that we're there when the Gideons are there. And the Gideons are just wonderful, wonderful people. Just blessed to even talk to them for a little while. They're just amazing um, ministers of the gospel. But they get so excited when they hand out two New Testaments. We've handed out two New Testaments, they say to us. And I'm thinking about what Lamb of God does. We hand out so many Bibles. The ladies have more emotional needs, I think, than the men do. I mean, how many Bibles do you pass out? They don't allow you to pass oh, out really? Bibles. And, and the ladies, we do pass out a, a lot of Bibles. And uh, <clears throat> uh, is it always easy? Uh, no, it's not. And sometimes when we leave, we're like, <laughs> run, into the, run into the car. And it's not because of the, it's hard. It's so, it's so easy because it's like sitting at a table with your neighbors. We, they, we could do as much ministering out in the lobby and the um, parking lot to the visitors as we do with their people. I mean, that's some of the the, uh, scary part. It's going back to the car. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there are a few people that kind of stand in the parking lot. But um, (laughs) they come to visit their friends. Um, But Anyway, I was amazed at the cover of the bulletin because I was thinking about this church sign uh, that's on Highway uh, TT, and it really ministers to me because it always has a a phrase on it. And one of the phrases was, uh, God calls, uh, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I always always see that message just when I'm really down about... uh, doing jail ministry, it's not that I don't think God wants me there because I know he wants me there, and you know he wants you there. We know that. That's the easy part. But the devil just gets this hold on you on Sundays when you're supposed to do it, and you get a headache or you get a rash or you get a migraine. And you've experienced this too, haven't Mm -hmm. you? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, no. he, he seems to plan it always when we have family doings going on. And so, <laughs> but they, I manage to get there most times. Um, so just pray for us because it's always, it's, always uh, it's easy once you're there. Once you're there, it's fine. It's, it's getting there because you just don't really, really feel like going. I mean, you know that's, and even the Lord shows you that's where you're supposed to be. I mean, he'll give you words, he'll give you signs, he'll give you this this depth of discernment, he'll let you know when ladies have this burden, and you know that this it's coming from the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so that's your proof that you're supposed to be there, but it's still hard. Mm-hmm. It's still hard to go. You're supposed to say that's right. Let me give an example. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, that's I said right. she had to come up here, but all she had to say was, no. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to give an example of um, the Lord's uh, being presence and blessing in this last week, Rosie uh, said, I have two, um, two Bible studies, and I don't know which one to do, but this one, she said, is on praying away the pain. And she said, I don't think this, maybe this is too difficult for them. So we got up there, and we had a few ladies, and I always ask how their week has been, and um, these two started sharing their burdens. They both had a lot of emotional pain. And Rosie says, well, I have these two Bibles. I don't know which. And she says, oh, I can't, I can't find this one. 
Well, you can guess which is the one that was found, was praying away the pain, and we all said, well, the Lord wants us to do this, and it was um, really a blessing, all the sharing that was done there in the ministry that went on through that Bible study. So even though um, Satan tries to keep us away, we always see how the Lord blesses that we have been there. And um, the women really need this kind of ministry. And no, I'm going to say that's right. <laughs> anyway, uh, we really encourage you just to get involved in, in some ministry. And uh, I, I always tell the ladies, if, if you consider yourself believers, and I know everyone here considers themselves a believer, then you already have the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, there probably isn't any ministry that you can't do because... Um, because God calls, uh, doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I'm a good example of that, I think. <laughs> I feel very unqualified, but he has been helping me through this. And thank you oh, for encouraging me to come. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Qualifies the called. If you're stagnant, get out and do ministry. If you haven't grown and you are just as dead as you were a year or two or five ago, get out and do ministry. And I'm going to suggest some of you older women, there are a lot of younger women that need a really significant ministry in those jails. You'll make it. God will qualify you. Okay? Um... Don't think he's not calling you, because what it'll do is it'll take away some of your grouchiness, right? We get grouchy when we get old. What's wrong with these people? And it's men and women. And I go, when you suddenly are in the middle of these people's lives and circumstances, God will open you up like you've never been open before, and you'll see and feel and respond, uh, first of all, to the moving of the Spirit, and then to the needs around you. John Stenson like to call you forward. Uh, going to be sharing a little bit about his uh, ministry in America, Africa, Mexico, other places he's been. Hello. <laughs> One day, when Jesus was walking through a village, he came to the house of a woman named Martha. And she had a sister also named Mary. And they welcomed him in. And they said, won't you come eat with us? So he came inside. And he sat down. One of the sisters was sitting eagerly at his feet, listening to every word that he said. Martha, however, was busy with all the preparations and very distracted. Then she came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you realize I have a lot of work to do? And here my sister is just sitting here. Can't you tell her to help me? Well, Jesus said to her, Martha, actually Mary has chosen the better part, and what she has will not be taken from her. And that's the end of the story. Now, you might say, why did I tell you that story? How many of you have heard that story before? <laughs> Probably in Sunday school, right? Um, 
Let me ask you this. What do you learn from that story? And you can say, you know, people can, you can be interactive. Anyone? Please, you don't have to raise your hand even. It's okay. <laughs> okay, being busy isn't always the best thing. Yeah, you need to prioritize the things in your life. What else? What's that? Jesus likes it when we sit at his feet. Yeah, Jesus likes it when we sit at his feet. Did you have something you want to say, too? The balance between work and prayer. Okay, good, good, good. If you, if you could put yourself in this story, who would you be? And you don't have to answer that out loud. Maybe that's better. <laughs> but think about it. Who would you be? Um, I think one of the things that I hear so clearly when I read that story is that God is not interested in busyness, but closeness. He really wants closeness with us, not just busyness, not just doing things. Uh, this was one of the stories. I, I wanted to share it with you so you'd reflect on it personally, <laughs> but also so that you would just see a little example of some of the things that we have been using in Africa to teach. We found stories have been one of the most effective ways that we've been able to share with people the truths of the gospel, of his word, and of closeness with God. And this was one story in particular that we shared in uh, Cameroon, in the Mundani people, that was probably the one that they pointed back to after the month outreach we took there. And they said that, that teaching was the thing that most changed our ideas. This idea that God actually wants to have a friendship with us. The same thing we see echoed in John 15 when he says, I, don't, I haven't called you servants now, I've called you my friends. <laughs> But that whole concept, and we were speaking to pastors, to people who were already believers, but the idea that God wanted to actually have a closeness of friendship with them was so new. And we found that these stories were one of the most effective ways to, to help them learn that. The other thing that we used a lot, and I'll just show you this quickly, is uh, just some little simple posters like this. We made bigger ones when we were there, and of course they weren't in English, <laughs> because that was the whole point of our going. <laughs> was to teach them in a language they would actually understand. Because in the Mundani, the gospel had actually come there 80 years ago. It's a little valley uh, in a remote part of Cameroon, about 40,000, 60,000 people in that people group. The gospel came there 80 years ago, and just a few years back, they did a survey with all the pastors, asking them, have the people that you work with, or the people in your community, have they understood what the gospel means? And every single one of those pastors, what do you think they said? They said no. There wasn't even one pastor who could say that the people in, in their community had understood the gospel. Because for 80 years, they've been receiving the gospel to the degree that they can in a language they don't understand. <laughs> so for the first time, I, I want to show you this too. This is just a little thing. This, let me just explain this. This is just a flower, right? And uh, it's meant to, what we did with this, and it was a lot bigger. We made it about this big and put it in our classroom. It just shares about the beauty of who God is in his character, that he's holy, that he's truthful, that he's wise. And many of these things which we take maybe very for granted in our understanding of who God is, but many of these concepts that he's righteous, that he's merciful, what does it mean to be merciful? We were just sharing from God's word with the people in the Mundani. What does that really mean? So that they could start to see what God's like. And uh, something as simple as this, they were able to connect it to things they knew, like the beauty of a flower. 
to see that God's character, there's such a beauty to his character um, as I understood it more. So this was one of the things that we used. We had like all across our classroom a whole uh, gallery of these kind of uh, drawings and it was one of the things that the people most connected with, the stories and these drawings that they could really grasp what God was like. Thanks, Pastor Bruce. Um, but we went, uh, yeah, into the Mundani. I want to show you this. After 80 years of the gospel being there, they finally received this book, which we've been speaking about already this morning. But this is actually a Mundani New Testament. Very exciting. I'm very excited about this book. You, you probably, if I show you, you can't read it. <laughs> but uh, anyways, it'll be in the back later if you want to look at it. Um, but for the first time in the course, we ran a course called a BELT course. Biblical Education and Leadership Training, that's what BELT stands for. And for the first time, even pastors were learning how to read the Bible. Um, So it was very exciting to see how that will change even their ministry in their congregations. Um, I have a little video clip I'd like to show you quickly of a little bit of that outreach, just so you can get an idea of where it was. Um, But we saw such such a cool change in the pastors. It was a place where... There had been churches, even though people didn't understand the gospel, they were doing it kind of ritually, yeah, just coming to church. We could do that too, I guess, sometimes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they would just come, and for the first time they were actually understanding what the gospel is about, and that they actually had a responsibility in their community to disciple their own community. So I'd like to show you a little bit. You'll see at the end of this video one pastor, and he's going to, and so you'll see his comments on the screen, but remember, this guy is a pastor, and what he's saying, just to keep it in perspective, so yeah, if you can run that clip, that'll be great.
Christians out into the surrounding communities to share what they have learned. That gives you a little picture of uh, of the Mundani. I wish we I wish we could all go there together. <laughs> um, it's such a cool people group, and uh, so hungry for the truth. Uh, they would like us to come back and continue doing subsequent courses. Uh, one of the guys would like to come and receive some further YWAM training. Uh, he's been working on getting his paperwork and stuff to be able to do that. So uh, we're just really excited for the things that God's doing in the Mundani and around the world. Um, also, we've had we something I don't have video of or anything, but uh, we've been working with uh, the school called Bible School for the Nations in the balance of our time, and we had a small class this year, three students, but uh, one couple from Holland and another guy from Uganda that came. And uh, just to report on what they're doing, the guy from Uganda is going back to start a ministry in Uganda working with uh, high school dropouts. He has a real heart for those who just can't swing it or cut it in school and really helping them to gain skills so they can actually survive and also create a sense of Christian community around them so they don't become kind of isolated. And the couple, the Dutch couple, they are now in Kenya. They have just arrived about a month ago, and they are starting an orphanage there for about 12 kids, kind of a family-style orphanage. So please keep them in your prayers as well. Um, I'd just like to share just a really quick story with you, and then with this I'll close. Uh, just as one of the things I think that the Lord impressed on me most this year goes along with the thing of just friendship with God. But where we stay in Durban there, our house has a wall around it and a gate. Not a high wall, but, you know, like this. Anyways, we have a couple of dogs there that aren't our dogs, but it's the owner's dogs. And it just keeps helps us know if people are coming around. <laughs> Anyways, we hear the barking. But uh, So Elliot goes out in the yard sometimes when I come home from the base. And uh, one time we were there in the backyard, and he had this little plastic motorcycle that he had gotten there, and he wanted to show me what things he was doing with it, so I went outside, and uh, as I was with him, he just took off running, you know, like, just, and uh, he loves running, (laughs) ever since he learned to walk. Anyways, (laughs) um, but he just took off for the gate, and and the gate wasn't closed yet because I was, I had just come, and I said, Elliot, wait, don't, don't go, and, uh, and it would be as if I hadn't said anything. You know, he just was like nothing, right? I said, Elliot, Elliot, stop. Nothing, nothing. And, uh, and it was like in that moment, God really just said, wait, John. Like, 
just spoke to me, like, stop, realize something here. <laughs> it's like he was wanting to pinpoint something and teach me something there, God was. He was saying, how would you feel if in the future, maybe Elliot goes on to accomplish like really great things, you know, like maybe he becomes a doctor and helps a lot of people or whatever great thing I could imagine at the time. But whenever you tried to talk to him, he would ignore you. You know, or whenever you tried to call him on the phone, he'd never return your calls or whatever thing, but he wouldn't communicate with you anymore or even listen to you. How meaningful would the great things that he could accomplish be in the sense of your own friendship with him? And it was like God was really speaking to me something really strong that I uh, or any of us really could do this. That I could say to God, basically, and that I was even in a place where it's close to doing this, I think is what God was showing me. I could say, God, don't talk to me right now. I'm too busy being a missionary. You know? And really um, get so busy doing things, even good things, that lose sight of what's really important, this closeness of friendship with God. Um, So, yeah, I just want to leave you with that, just to think on. And uh, to take time this week, I've been really challenged by that throughout this whole year. Like, I would rather, I even felt like the Lord spoke to me. I said, like he was saying, I would rather you become an ice cream man and stay close to me than to be a missionary and be too busy to hear what I'm saying. You can be more effective in my kingdom if you'll be an ice cream man that's close to me than go to Africa and be like, don't talk to me. I need to be a missionary. (laughs) So, love you guys, and thanks so much for standing with us. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, we have a lot of stuff on the back table, uh, a lot of information, so if you want to come and see some good books if you like to read too, but yeah, there's a lot of ways you can get involved. Uh, so please come talk to us afterwards. It would be awesome. Yeah, thanks. Praise the Lord. Uh, good word. Carol. We'll be last. So we'll pick. Uh... <laughs> through my best. Okay. Well, when, uh, when Ron asked me to come in and share with you a little bit, I first laughed because he said I had three minutes. And if you remember the last time I had three minutes, it was 45. So um, I just kind of have to let the spirit lead me. But um, many of you probably don't know, a lot of you do, but we have a lot of new people here, that um, Ricardo and I, and actually I started first since 19, or since 2000, have been working with a mission school in Chile, in South America. And I've actually been there three times. Ricardo has gone with me as well. And, um, and it's really been a wonderful mission that we're working on. And it's actually um, the, the beneficiary of our three-month mission right now. And I, I think Ryan mentioned that I might have another opportunity to talk a little bit more specifically about the school and what it's doing so I don't really want to concentrate on that today. What, what I really want to talk about is what mission work does for you and in you. And those of you that know me, and I always find this really interesting how God touches me. I do a lot of public speaking in my job. I never cry when I speak in public for work. But when I speak in public here, the Holy Spirit really moves my heart. And that's when I know I'm saying the right thing. So if I cry, it's a good thing. Um, But what I really want to 
impress upon you today, and, and some of, of our uh, brothers and sisters have already said this to you, that getting involved in mission work really is about changing you. And in ways you cannot imagine, when I first got started in this mission in Chile, I really thought it was like, I think a lot of us, when we take a short-term mission trip or we do a project, we think it's about what we're going to do for some needy person or cause or how we're going to spread the gospel. But I think if I've learned anything in the last seven years, it's been about what God's going to do in me through that mission. Because, you see, there's one key point when you step out of that comfort zone and you go on that trip and you go visit someone else, someone in need, with best intentions of bringing the gospel and doing good things, God changes your heart and he makes it impossible for you to come back and be the same person. He makes it impossible for you to be comfortable in your comfortable zone anymore. He fills you with a hunger to want to know him deeper, to hear his voice, move when it doesn't make any sense at all to do it. And I could sit here for hours and tell you about the miraculous, truly miraculous things that God has done through this mission in Chile and through our involvement. You have all seen the change in Ricardo. He came to this church for 14 years, sitting in the pew, being a visitor, a friend of Lamb of God, until I was faithful enough to start my work in Chile. Even when Ricardo didn't want me to, even when the enemy made it so uncomfortable for me to be faithful because Ricardo resisted it so much because I think the devil knew the change that was coming and it wasn't in his best interest. But I stayed faithful and I have learned to hear God's calling. I'm sure he called me many, many times before this and I ignored that call. And John, I, I mean, I, I can't think of anything more appropriate than what you just closed your talk with. But I can't talk to you now, Lord. I can't listen to you now, Lord. I'm too busy doing mission work, doing things for you. And, there's, and, I, and I don't want to say that service and being, being Jesus for others is what God calls us to do. But it's more than that. It's about letting God help you become who he intends for you to be in his kingdom. And you can't help but change yourself. You can't help but change your family. And you automatically change the world around you. It also changes our church. Because when you have a couple of impassioned, on-fire people amongst you, it is very difficult to stay lukewarm when you're around hot coals. It's impossible. And so I really believe that Lamb of God is a special congregation in the kingdom because of the work that God has called us to do in the mission field. I mean, we have such wonderful examples of people among us, John and Becca, so many. I mean, the list is so long. But if you look at what God has done with the people over the years that have done that, and they've moved on, and they've done wonderful things and, and seeded and grown other ministries and other churches, that's what he calls every single one of us to do through mission work. And I can't tell you often enough, I can't shout it loudly enough, 
you have to go on a mission trip, whether it's to the inner city of Milwaukee, whether it's to the county jail, whether it's to Africa or the far ends of the earth. God will tell you where it's supposed to be. And sometimes you don't even know you're being led to it. If I were to recount for you right now how God got me involved in Chile, he didn't in any way put before me a mission. Someone asked me because they knew I spoke Spanish, could I come to a picnic and translate for two visiting pastors from Chile who known, knew no English and the group that was hosting it knew no Spanish. And I, as usual, said, sure, I can come, I can do that. That was the moment that God said, finally, you're going to listen to me. And he opened doors that you cannot imagine. And I really do hope that I'll have the opportunity to share with you some of the miraculous stories that have come out of my personal journey. And so as we, as we take this day-to-day -to, -day to really set aside and look at missions, you, you really need to think about, what is God calling me to do? What opportunities is he laying before me to make that kind of personal growth? And if you've even had an inkling of, you know, as we have members come back and share with us from the Phillips family and, and Elise and, 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 and Wongs, and I mean the list is so long of those that have gone and done, and you have that inkling of, I really want to go. When can we go? What are we going to do next? One of the things I really think God is laying on my heart in, in the last year or two, and Bruce and I have talked about it, is I think I need to be helping us organize more of these trips and take more small groups to places. I mean, I really believe that's what God's calling me to do. And if you've ever had that, even that little gnawing, gee, that might be kind of interesting, you can know well God's tapping on your shoulder. Now, you can ignore it, or you can take the next step. And if you take the next step and you feel really uncomfortable, you know you're on the right track. Because if it feels comfortable, he's probably not doing a whole lot of work in you, even though you could do great things that way. If you really want to become what God has planned for you, and you can't imagine what it is, I, I feel the most ill-prepared person to have ever thought about doing mission work. But as I stood one day in a church in, in front of the women's ministry down in Chile, and as I was speaking to them about being there and sharing, God just once again touched my heart. And as the tears flowed in the middle of what I was saying, I realized he'd been setting me up for 25 years to do what I was about to do. From the time that I was in South America as an exchange student and started learning Spanish and all of the things that I've done since, it was just preparation for what he wanted to do once I stood up and said, okay, I'll go, Lord. I'll do this. So I, I guess if, if there's anything that I can really impress upon you is the fact that you have to step out of that comfort and know that God will give you everything and more you need to accomplish it, no matter how inadequate or ill-prepared you feel. You cannot possibly know what he has planned. And the power that it will give you and the change that will occur in your heart and your life and it will be pretty much impossible to go back to the same old after that. Thank you, Carol. Amen. Amen. Sure beats my sermons. <laughs> I love it. Pat Menden from uh, LWML. Pat, is that correct? 
Oh, there she is. I knew she had I'd seen her. You need a podium? I'll get it. Sure. <clears throat> asked to speak to you this morning um, on behalf of the Lutheran Women's Missionary League, or as we call ourselves, Lutheran Women in Mission. Um, some of you may have heard of us, and some of you may have not, um, but after listening to um, the previous speakers, um, we are the Lutheran women who are behind many of um, the mission ministries. We are the official auxiliary of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and we have a membership of over 250,000 women. Our mission is to assist each woman of the LCMS in affirming her relationship with the triune God so that she is enabled to use her gifts in ministry to the people of the world. Now, in our South Wisconsin district, we do this through local societies. And there are over 200 um, societies in the South Wisconsin district. Um, most churches have one society. Some even have two. Um, and some have uh, an LWL that's combined with another women's group within the church. And as our name implies, we are mission. And this is primarily done through our might box. I don't know. I, I, I see that you have some here at your church. I don't know how many of you own one of these. But... Um, this little box enables many, many mission projects to be accomplished. Um, pennies go in here, dimes, nickels, quarters, some dollar bills, and sometimes even a check, which is appreciated, um, fund district and national mission grants. And these are done on a two-year basis. Um, our South Wisconsin district currently has 11 mission projects right now that are being funded solely by mission uh, by the mite boxes. And uh, the mite box has gotten its name um, from that parable of the widow's mite in Luke chapter 21, if you're wondering why we have such a funny name for this little box. Um, our 11 grants for the district alone total $190,000. And I'll just give you a couple examples of some of them. Um, out on the display back there, uh, you can look at the full list of them. Um, but in the next... Uh, Within the next two years, we will um, pay for um, a place of refuge in Milwaukee. That's um, a home for unwed mothers. Um, we have um, establishment of a deaf mission outreach centers, uh, like totaling $12,000, school supplies for Lutheran schools in Guinea, West Africa, um, Milwaukee County House of Correction Scripture Fund of $15,000, um, another prison ministry. Um, Squatters Village Feeding Program in Guatemala for $14,000. So if you don't think your pennies and nickels and dimes do anything, they do. Now that's just our South Wisconsin district projects. At the same time, we have national projects going. Um, there was just a convention last June, and their mission grants that they have um, pledged are going to fund um, 18 different mission grant projects, and that is going to total $1.7 million, all funded by a mite box. So I encourage you, if you don't own one, you don't have to be a member of LWML, you don't have to be a member of a society, I encourage you to pick one up. Um, Bev from your church um, invited me to come, and she has ordered some of these. 
I encourage you to pick them up. We even have some children's mite boxes. It's a very nice tool to encourage children um, to put money aside for missions and that even their pennies do count. Um, but we always tell everybody, don't just put your pennies and dimes and nickels in there without saying a prayer that, that God would grant a blessing on, on his mites so that these projects can be further funded. Um, just a little bit about societies, if you're ever interested in maybe having a group here. Um, they don't just collect mites. Each group does their own mission projects, whether that be sewing quilts for Lutheran World Relief or, relief or making uh, layettes or um, doing something in the inner city. They find their own mission projects to do along with that. We always have Bible study, and we always have a lot of fun. We... Um, also host uh, a spring and fall rally for the district, which um, help renew us and get us fired up again to, to keep going. Um, it's a lot, lot of fun, uh, wonderful women. It's just a great time. So I encourage you to um, check us out at the table. We have a website, South Wisconsin District org, so you can find out what's going on in our district. And we have a national website. And um, if you're interested, talk to Bev, and I believe you have a, a member here, Lauren Beal, who actually was a former past district president, so you might want to give her a little call and give her a nudge and say, we want to get something going. So I thank you for inviting me, and if you have any questions, you can see me later. Thank you very much. Surprising how much you can accomplish with just uh, small things like that. Uh, Linda Oberbrunner, auf Deutsch, sehr gut. Come on down. Very few people get it right the first time. It almost prohibited my going out with my husband the first time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm from Evangelical Child and Family Agency, or ECFA, and we work with women and men in unplanned pregnancies uh, providing life-affirming options only. We do use the place of refuge uh, home that you referred to and actually have actually sent some married women there as well. It's not just for uh, uh, unmarried. But they are involved in an unplanned pregnancy and need housing. Um, as we are found, uh, it's in the um, yellow pages, usually under abortion alternatives. And it may sound odd that people would find us there, but when they are tunnel vision-minded and they are thinking only that right now they have very few resources in life, that something has happened in their life that they were not preparing for, and a quick solution is uh, something that they're looking for. Uh, up until abdominal supports, we actually were f the first uh, location in the phone books. Now abdominal supports, of course, has replaced the abortion alternatives, but it's interesting to know how... There, there, we get between 450 and 500 callers per year uh, from uh, mostly yellow page advertising. And once they call us, we're there to come alongside, to be there as advocates for them in this unplanned pregnancy. And it's not just women that call. There are men that call, too, that are involved uh, in this and wanting some help and some answers. Um, we also provide... Um, Bibles in their language, and you might think, what kind of language is that? But it's um, just the, the first little sentence says, I, 
uh, four little words, I think I'm pregnant. I had never been in this situation before, and I just couldn't believe it. I felt so alone. In here, Jesus introduces himself um, to the women that receive these. And every, every person that comes to us, we give one of these Bibles. It's New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs. And then also, you know, like the Footprints um, poem is in there. There's categories so that they can um, look depressed, discouraged, alone, confused. And there is a gospel plan um, for them to know that they can be in relationship with a gentleman that will care for them, love them, and forgive their sin and walk with them. Um, we cover 47 counties in the state and have a location in Green Bay and also in the Beloit-Janesville area. Uh, we could not exist without prayers of people because we're on the front lines and um, there's a lot of battle done every day. And um, we're here not to judge and preach but to introduce a loving God that wants better for uh, the situation that the women and men find themselves in. We also do, we're licensed as an adoption agency, and so we provide, uh, uh, I, I should say, God provides us the families, and then we um, end up uh, having voluntary placements in the families, having uh, 352 at this time. How we're funded is through uh, different events and two resale stores in West Dallas area called Almost Anything. And I bet you could imagine what is sold there. Okay. <laughs> Other than mattresses. No mattress. Okay. And um, we uh, really exist with volunteers doing that. We have a small staff of um, 14 running the three offices. Uh, most of them are part-time. There's four full-time people. But we have 170 volunteers that are involved in things. The entire Belo family is involved in one of our events, the bike and hike event. Uh, Ron and uh, Jan Bear are very involved with us six months out of the year at least, uh, coordinating uh, this bike and hike event. Uh, we need volunteers. And you might think uh, global emissions is away from here. But uh, as we partake in people's lives who God brings to us, being a local missionary might mean volunteering at a resale store. And I'm sure no, how, how many people have, here have ever been in a resale short, store either to donate items or to purchase? Yeah, okay. Um, at our resale stores, if you, if you work there, you get 50% off all your purchases. So, you know, <laughs> that, that could be dangerous to some families here. So, you know, uh, see me afterwards if up for privately. But... Um, in, in these Bibles, of course, um, God introduces himself to, to those that we work with. Our agency's scripture verse that we um, really have as our motto, as our goal, is from 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And that goes for each one of us here. Whatever we do... Uh, with the right motives, um, is never in vain. God multiplies those seeds and reaches people far, far more than any one of us can. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Debbie? Is that the next one? Peggy. 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 I don't have the name down here, so I can't. Is she coming down for compassion? Patty. Patty. <laughs> 
Well, we'll get it. We'll get it up there. I apologize. I just don't have your name down here, so That's fine. come Thank on down. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, I'm filling in for Dave, who is one of your own, and he told me this morning that you all think of him as Mr. Compassion around here. So, um, but he was called to be at a, another church that have, is having a missions festival. So, uh, this morning I was just asked by Ron if if I wish to tell you a little bit about Compassion, and so I thought I'd take advantage of that opportunity uh, briefly. I became involved uh, in sponsoring uh, a child through Compassion maybe six or seven years ago, and it's just been a wonderful experience. And since then, my husband and I have uh, have sponsored some other children as well. But basically what it is is a program that is throughout the world, Africa, uh, Asia, South America, Mexico, so Central America. And um, their strongest, I think what they're most known for are children that are from grade school on up, and they've got packets like this, some of which I've, I have here with me today, um, that tell you about the children, whether it be Bolivia or India or Guatemala, whatever. And um, then a person has the opportunity to choose a child if they want to hone in on a particular country or a particular birth date or whatever. And uh, the child might be 6 years old, the child might be 10 years old, 14 years old, whatever. But a person then makes a commitment to sponsor that child with a monthly contribution um, and up until that child typically graduates from high school or graduates from the program. And the way the children are chosen is by working through local churches where uh, the, the people involved in local churches choose the poorest of the poor. And that's how they are then brought to the, the Knowledge of Compassion International, who's located out of Colorado, and then the children um, are supported through the program. Then Compassion became aware that uh, getting involved with children when they're four or five or six years old is wonderful, but they were finding that there was such a high death rate, high disease rate of children younger than that. So they've begun a child survival program uh, where now uh, it's supporting moms during pregnancy as well as upon the birth of the baby and then getting the child through those very young years when diseases uh, here just horrifies us to think that um, some diseases that are gone here in the States are taking the lives of these little itty-bitty babies. Um, so Compassion has now become involved in that. And they also do have opportunities in some instances when um, children that um, have graduated from, from this program, uh, it seems worthy of them to go on and get higher education where, in fact, there are opportunities to support those children as well in what's called the leadership program. So a person can pretty much go all the way from prenatal care all the way through college and help out with a child in a foreign country. So just wanted to let you know about that, and if you would like to know any more, I will be in back, and I've got some more packets. I'll be happy to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'd like you to uh, stand and lay hands on all those people that are around you somewhere. Find to stand up. All you guys stand up. Go find one of those people that shared with us and lay hands on them. Get out of your pews. Walk down the aisles. Find somebody to put a hand on. There's all kinds of them. And if you can't reach them, put a hand on the person in front of you that's reaching them. Make sure they all got a hand on them. Please pray with me over them if you would.
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of this person and the ministry that they represented. Touch my heart, Lord. Open my heart so that my eyes can see the people in need and the love you have for them. Let your anointing rest on these people. Help me to support them by prayer and whatever else your spirit tells me to do. Have mercy on them. Bless them and their families. Guard them spiritually. And fill them with joy and hope. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You can return to your seat, but we're going to just pray a little bit more. Referring back to Bob's uh, little reference, and you're welcome to pick them up. I don't know how many he has. We are told that uh, Jesus had gone through towns and villages teaching and preaching the gospel. It seemed as if the crowds who needed his help were more than he could handle. What? The miracle worker needs help? Yes. He asked his disciples. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. If you pick one of these ministries and you begin to invest yourself in them, will change your life. If you begin to understand what God's calling this congregation to, we get called as individuals. If you understand that even Jesus said, the workers are few and the harvest is plentiful. Imagine him saying that to you right now. God is giving us this fantastic opportunity to change our lives. And try to remember, it was only after about five or six months of being in Jesus' presence, that the disciples were sent out to do ministry. God isn't waiting for you to get smarter. He's waiting for you to get transparent and more humble. God isn't waiting until you learn and develop some degree or something else like that. He's waiting for you to be obedient. And uh, what Rosie said, he qualifies the call. He qualifies the call. And the call is in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes that we might see and hear in such a way that our lives might be forever changed. Give us a heart, Lord. Help us to walk with these men and women in all these different ministries and that unique calling that you may have on our heart today. I pray that young men and women, children, even the littlest ones, would see and hear your voice speaking to them today. One day you might be sent, like John, to a place in Africa or around the world. Or one day you might be sent to minister to a hungry little child or a mother who has an orphan or a child who is an orphan that has no mother. A mother who has need of your special tenderness and care. Or you might be sent right next door to somebody you're going to school with, to somebody who has a need, to someone who needs your ministry. Father, open our eyes to see clearly the calling you have upon our hearts, 
upon our congregation. Take not just part of us today, Lord, but all that we are, as well as everything we're not, and use it to accomplish your purposes. May all things be done to your glory, Jesus. We pray this all in your name. Amen. As we get ready for the closing song, beautiful ministry in that song. Go ahead. Yeah, you can get up there. What's that? Oh, we got an offering song. Almost skipped the offering again. I haven't done that for a while. It's good for me. As the offering is received, uh, please be encouraged to have God guide that uh, in your life. And then we'll uh, sing the offering song, and then we'll close.